everyone. Welcome to a special episode of Uncanny Treks as Bob and Matt explore Batman, the doom that came to Gotham. We are part of Uncanny Treks. I am Bob in Cascadia. That is Matt in the Southland. Matt, how the hell are you doing tonight? Doing pretty well, Bob. Doom that came to Gotham, the newest Batman offering on Max. Yeah, yeah, we, we keep watching these DC animated originals. Uh, Matt, so had you read the Doom that came to Gotham comic before? Yeah, it uh, follows the same basic story with some slight changes to fit the runtime of the film, but okay. overall it's, it's pretty accurate to the source material. Okay, so I have read the comic, but I swear to God I can hardly remember it. it and I only read it like five years ago. I don't know if I'm just getting old or if it just wasn't that memorable. I, in my vague memory, I felt like the movie was pretty different. But it's in a, it, But I mean, I would defer to your judgment that it's actually not that different because I really don't remember. You know the last time I read it, Bob? When was the last time you read it, Matt? Yesterday. Oh! <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> yeah. A little, but the lizard monster who's rampaging around in like the back part of the movie. Yeah. Does that does do they have that design in the comic, and does it look similar to the design in the comic? No, it's a whole different character okay because i it really looked like um you know mike mignola wrote or i think he co-wrote doom that came to gotham and then he wrote and drew hellboy and that lizard monster in the animated movie really looks like some designs from early in mignola's hellboy and so that's a kind of cool tip of the hat i think yeah 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 it doesn't look that much like killer croc but you get the idea it's supposed to be reptilian Oh, I guess it is supposed to be like a killer croc. I didn't even put that together. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. Yep. Bob, you're not making the connections here, my friend. I'm not making <laughs> the connections. I'm not making... But speaking of the connections, Matt, I, I think the three big books that might be an influence here are uh, the novels, or really they're all just novellas because they're pretty short. The novellas, uh, Edgar Allan Poe's Narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym, H.P. Lovecraft's At the Mountains of Madness, and Victor Lavelle's The Ballad of Black Tom. Have you ever read any of those? So I read uh, the narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym, and it's like the only complete novel that Edgar Allan Poe has ever written, and it deals with like the title character traveling the sea and dealing with a shipwreck, mutiny, and some cannibalism. Yep. Um, it, but at one point, the character encounters a Dutch ship at night, and the entire crew is dead, which gave me the same feeling as like you get at the beginning of this and there's Maybe. also um, there's a famous scene where he he floats by a death ship. He thinks that he sees people moving on the death ship, but it's actually just seagulls are eating the corpses, and it, them eating the corpses make it look like the corpses are moving. Right, and only the captain's alive, right? I don't even think the captain's alive. Oh, okay, but it's, maybe that's it. Has been a few years since I've read Pym. Yeah, and then, and then uh, I've read. There's Ma also, or just to put in real quick, there's a lot of. Sinister penguins in both Arthur Gordon Pym and At the Mountains of Madness. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of connections to that opening scene of this movie. Yeah, and I've read At the Mountains of Madness, which is about like the exploration of Antarctica, and it made you know Shogoth popular, which yeah. you know is the creature we all know about with with H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah, Shogoths and Cthulhu's and what have you. Yeah, and then you haven't read uh, Ballad of Black Tom. No, I haven't read the Ballad of Black Tom. I, did I not buy you that for Christmas one time? <laughs> that does not mean I read it. Matt, you know what that means. You're getting it again this Christmas, bro. Yay! The gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> I'll put it next to my other copy. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's a it's a revisionist take uh, on the Lovecraft mythos. Um, not a lot of not a whole lot of direct connections to this, but it's a it's a really good novella. Alan and I both really like it, and uh, yeah, yeah, the guy who the guy who wrote Ballad of Black Tom is now writing X Men comics. He's been writing Sabretooth, which people love, but I don't love. Uh, but I do love Ballad of Black Tom. There's definitely like this is definitely a, a love letter to H.P. Lovecraft. This mm-hmm. whole thing. In terms of films, have you seen either the 1982 The Thing or the animated Gotham by Gaslight movie? So I saw and read the Gotham by Gaslight. You know, it's set in the 1800s, whereas I, this is supposed to be set in the 1920s, right? Yeah, or this. Yeah, this would be the late 1920s, I think. Okay. And, there's kind of a similar, you know, obviously they just did the Gotham by Gaslight movie a few years ago, and there's a kind of similar vibe. And I guess in my mind I had, I was kind of thinking of both animated movies as taking a lot of liberties with the Elseworld comics, but maybe that's not as true of Doom that came to Gotham as it is Gotham by Gaslight. Yeah, and the thing with Gotham by Gaslight, uh, <clears throat> I, when, I first saw, I'm sorry, when I first saw the uh, trailer for this film, I almost thought this was going to be like a sequel to Gotham by Gaslight, just with the design choices. Yeah, yeah. But then I was like, no, no. They're only like 30, 40 years apart in terms of time and style, right? Right, yeah. Then Batman's costume is very similar. But of course, they're, they're, not, they're not sequels at all. It's kind of a surprise that there weren't more, in, in, any kind of more cues to it. I guess I should note that Mignola, who you know created and wrote and drew Hellboy and wrote Doom that came to Gotham, drew Gotham by Gaslight. I do vaguely remember. I, I mean, it's been a while since I've read Gotham by Gaslight, but I remember enjoying it. And then the film, I wasn't. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but the film there was I wasn't that impressed with. But it's all oh, right. I, I, I liked the film pretty well. I think I liked the Gotham by Gaslight film more than this. We get, you know, in the opening, I, I did vaguely remember in the comic, and you kind of refreshed me, that it, it's Dick, Jason, and Tim are his three assistants in the comic. Right. But instead, in the movie, we get Dick, Jason, and Cassie. And, you know, we have Jason and Cassie a little bit reimagined, slightly different names, which is cool. I, and I, I, I like that. I thought that was a good choice. But my one complaint was they make Dick Grayson a science nerd, and that just seems wrong to me. <laughs> yeah. I do like the naming uh, that they did here it was very like subtle, but still like the character like Sanjay Todd instead of Jason yeah, Todd, yeah, and Kylie Kane. It also like totally makes sense that like Bruce Wayne would just go around the world adopting orphans. Like it, it's like something you almost kind of want like the prime Batman to have done. He's like Angelina Jolie. <laughs> exactly. He Bruce Wayne is the Angelina Jolie of the DC universe. So Matt, I do have to ask: Is this a sailing ship that? Uh, Batman and his aides go to the Antarcticon. Is this the peak version of the Batboat? I, I, I don't know. I always found the Batboat to be the most like unnecessary vehicle in Batman's Armada. Well, this one does, and I love the Bat. <laughs> I love the Bat sail ship, Matt. The sail bat. Yeah, let's call it the sail bat. The, the, I love the sail bat. bat. Yeah, I, bat boats are so unnecessary. But not in the 1920s. They're very necessary in the 1920s. He, he needs a plane and a car. <laughs> <laughs> no, he needs a sail bat, Matt. <laughs> Um, what did you think? And I thought this was really interesting, and I don't know if you remember if the uh, comic did this, but it's a really fun twist to have uh, Batman have having been gone from Gotham for 20 years instead of, like, I think eight years is the more normal time frame. Right. And then when did he actually leave Gotham? Though? That's the only thing. He left Gotham, I guess. It, uh, I mean... If, if we assume he's 
if we assume he's like 35 in the comic, which is like when you have like Batman with a lot of sidekicks, I feel like that's about the default age you assume he is. Right. Then he left it when he, he left when he was 15, which more or less tracks. Yeah, that worked. Yeah, I mean, 20 years it's, it's a lot longer to learn things. <laughs> it makes more sense, like uh, yeah, thematically. But then you're yeah. not as young when you come back, so. When it 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 almost be kind of cool if like if DC were to ever do like an ultimate Batman, you know, like 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 Marvel had Ultimate Spider-Man back in the day, you'd almost do it where he's like a kind of globe-trotting training himself adventure for like years before he even goes to Gotham. You mean like New 52? Did New 52 do that? No. No, I don't think they did, but they tried to be the ultimate universe. Well, but it didn't it didn't really not not really for Batman and for Green Lantern. For everybody else, they they hard restarted them. Yeah. But for like Batman and Green Lantern, they were just like, no, well, they they're just going well. So let's just c- keep it going. Continued. That's where they made their mistake. What do you think of uh, the version of Mr. Freeze in this, which I think they call, I think they called at one point, Mr. Zero. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's creepy, very different yeah, characterization, yeah. but I did like the nod of the suit that he gets to the uh, 1960s outfit. looked. Ve- it also looked very much like a Mignola design. I, that is from the comic, right? A, a couple of more kind of like Arnim Zola-style creatures that Mignola has in Hellboy. Matt, would you rather babysit a drunken Oliver Queen, or would you rather babysit an undead corpse if it came down to it? Pretty sure I'd rather babysit a drunk Oliver Queen. I mean, the corpse really stinks. That's that's one thing about this film. They make sure that you know that everything smells like shit. Very visceral. Very. They, visceral. they remind you like five times. All right. Did you catch the voice actors for Harvey Dent, Lucius Fox, and uh, Kirk Langstrom? So yeah, so Jeffrey Combs was Kirk Langstrom, which we Remind we know him the from. Listeners who uh, good old Jeffrey Combs is Matt. Yeah, Star Trek fame. He's done so many cameos in Star Trek as different characters. That's what he's famous for, really. He's kind of like the cameo guy. <laughs> then you've That's got one. Tim Russ as Lucius Fox. We know him from yeah. Star Trek Voyager. And from his folk music. Don't forget his folk yeah, music. But I have no idea who uh, Harvey Dent was, Bob. Who was the voice so, actor for uh, Harvey Dent? The, the voice actor for Harvey Dent, and I, I didn't look, I didn't catch this so I looked at the credits, is uh, Patrick Fabian, who is uh, most notable to me and probably to many of our listeners for his role on uh, Better Call Saul. Uh, he where he's absolutely great as uh, Howie Hamlin. So yeah, that, I was very happy that he showed up as Two Face. Yeah, he was also on Voyager, Bob. At some he was point, on Voyager, it was a one-off, wasn't it? Yep, yep, one episode. I like that this movie kind of appropriately makes Jason Blood like an unpleasant and off-putting person to be around, which makes sense. Man, the design for naked Etrigan <laughs> really sucks, dude. I, I hate it so much. You ever get tired of seeing Etrigan in these things? I feel like he shows up way too often. No, because I love him. Like I, re- like I, I read Etrigan solo comics, Matt. I like Damn, him so much. <laughs> I love yeah. some Etrigan. Man, the Matt Wagner and Alan Grant Etrigan comics are fun, dog. They're fun. Are you ready for Etrigan in the Gunverse? I mean, I don't know if I'm ready for the Gunverse, Matt. To be honest, <laughs> that, that character has not been brought to screen, Bob. Needs to happen. Oh Lord! Uh, just as long as he puts on some damn clothes, Matt. <laughs> so. Did all the cult stuff in this episode remind you of our previous Batman animated movie, Soul of the Dragon? Because it kind of reminded me of it. Yeah, it was similar. Just be sure to check out that episode, Soul of the Dragon. That, to me, was a better film. We'll get to that when we get to our rankings. Totally. Yeah. Complain about Etrigan. I'm also going to complain about the other demon. I mean, the demon's head, Ra's al Ghul. Because they make him a jinn, 
in this movie, which I just, I don't know. I, I get that you want to try new things, but I wasn't feeling it. Um, I did enjoy Talia blaspheming and saying about Raish, though, that he has risen. That was- uh, I found the Jin stuff kind of interesting, because, uh, you know, Raish can be boring sometimes. It gets kind of old. I can admit to that. I mean, you're probably right, but I'm not going to admit <laughs> to it, because I like Raish. <laughs> yeah. And then, oh, man, I... I really feel bad uh, that Sanjay Todd just gets axed immediately. Um, I, you know, I felt like there was stuff that could have been done with him. I mean, granted, I know he needs to die for the horror movie aesthetic, but man, I, I felt bad about that. Yeah, poor Sanjay Todd just freezes to death. Poor kid. I mean, but Batman doesn't seem as like concerned about these children as he does like in the. <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah, it is weird because it's like on the one hand, it's the nice thing about these movies and these else worlds is that you can just kill characters, right? Yeah. But it it also yeah, he gives it a horror movie kind of apocalyptic tone. But like you say, they don't really maybe exploit that as much as they they do. Kind of make an interesting choice where they make Kylie and Kane draw kind of closer to Green Arrow after Sanjay dies. It kind of makes her feel more like one of Green Arrow's later sidekicks, like Mia Darden, who's Speedy, or Emmy Queen, or Artemis Croc from Young Justice. So, I don't know, it's kind of interesting to kind of, like, sort of have her be Cassie Kane, but also sort of sort of have her feel like one of Green Arrow's uh, young sidekicks. I mean, that does make sense, considering Ollie usually tends to take female sidekicks. Like, I don't know why, but he does. A more recent thing, the Green Arrow equivalent of Batgirl, but she was hardly in anything. In anything, and it didn't really start rolling until like I think the Kevin Smith run, where they had like Mia Darden as like the Speedy. I don't know. Maybe it's just a way to kind of make him stand out more from Batman, since Batman tends to take male sidekicks. That's what I'm thinking. They're just not willing to have a female Robin. <laughs> yeah, which is such a weird thing to be hung up about. Yeah, I mean we have we had Carrie Kelly and Stephanie Brown, but Stephanie lasted what three issues and. Yeah, Stephanie Stephanie doesn't last any time, and Carrie Kelly's never been Robin in like the main timeline. Right, she's all Elseworld stuff. Or that I think the Batgirl series that just wrapped up that was about Cassie and Stephanie it, it, with like Barbara as like their oracle. That sounded really good. I, I didn't read any of it, and I need to, but it sounded really good. Oh, we have to check that out. That's actually just something. Yeah. Good. Speaking of characters, I was kind of annoyed that this movie made Green Arrow like a Christian fanatic with Crusader imagery, like. It's fine to have explicitly Christian characters, and they can be fanatics or they can not be fanatics. Like, if you're making characters Christian, Green Arrow should be about the last one to be a Christian. He should be, like, a Marxist or an anarchist, you know? That's kind of what I was wondering, because he doesn't feel like, like, this isn't his normal characterization, which he usually is. Is, is, he, is he an avid game hunter? Some versions. Some, Some versions, yeah. But then he also is a super religious. Uh, I kind of wondered, too, like when I first saw him, if they were going to drag in like the Order of St. Dumas into all this. That would have been cool. I could have gotten down with that. And then, But then it just went off on like a Christian, Christianity-type yeah, tangent People thing. are familiar. The Order of St. Dumas is like Azrael's uh, order. And they're, they're basically like Catholic Jedi in the Batman universe. Yeah. I gotta say, I didn't really dig the 1920s Bat Roadster. Either. Yeah, and that's not in the comp. That was just um, for the movie. It reminded me of that shit car from the end of Batman Venom. Prefer the Bat Sail to the Bat Roadster, or the Sail Bat to the Bat. Yeah, Roadster. I'll take the Sail Bat over the Bat Roadster. Yes, this this thing is stupid. Barbara Gordon's character, as much as they broke Green Arrow to have her be like an alcoholic medium, but I gotta say, I did kind of dig it on screen. It was pretty fun. Yeah, it was it was way better. Her characterization is way better in the comic and uh, here than it is in the comic. Because in the comic, she's a medium, but she's not a drunk or at Arkham. Mm-hmm. Um, in this film, they contact 
Thomas Wayne and Hill during the seance. And in the comic, they contact this other guy that's nowhere near as interesting. Gave me vibes of Dark Knight, Dark City, because we find out that Green Arrow's father, Man Bat's father, Penguin, and Batman's father all had a pact with a Lovecraftian god and sold their souls for like immortality and power and Gotham's rise. And that feels very similar to the opening of Dark Knight Dark Um We see like Thomas Jefferson and some other 18th century dudes like trying to sell their souls to a bat demon. Uh, that, <laughs> I, I thought that was like big Dark Knight Dark City vibes. Yeah, that's very similar. Interesting theme in this where we have on the one hand, you know, Batman, Green Arrow, Man Bat, Talia, all have suffered from their fathers. But then we also see like Batman's like total indifference to his Robins. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's no sense. Like he doesn't seem like the usual Bat, like it's not the usual Batman response to like a Robin death. Like they're more just like his like little worker people, <laughs> child labor. <laughs> Did you uh, catch the Lois and Clark cameo under a red sun? I, th- I think I missed this. What, what did I miss? Just Lois and Clark are in the crowd. Oh, Lois and Clark are in the crowd. They're in the crowd. When the red sun is coming out, they're in the crowd, and they're also in the crowd at the end in that when uh, when Kane is giving her tribute speech to, to Bruce Wayne. Oh, okay. I completely missed that. Sequels to this, just like they're unlikely to do sequels to Gotham by Gaslight or Soul of the Dragon. But, I mean, given that they established that the four guys who sold their souls to the Lovecraftian deity do have like centuries long lifespans. It's like open up the possibility that there could be a lot of half siblings for Penguin and Batman and Arrow and Man Bat. Yeah, I highly doubt this is going to get a sequel, but you know, I'd probably enjoy one, but I I do not think it's going to happen. It's not going to happen, but it would be really cool to have like Cassie Kane, like be the star of a sequel, you know, and just, you could bark, market it as Batman and still have him show up in, in the bestial bat form, but ma- mostly make it a Cassie Kane movie. Yeah, just put Batman's name in the title, you're good. Yeah, which is basically what they did with Soul of the Dragon already. Right, yeah. <laughs> Any regrets, Matt? No, I mean, this was just a fun retelling of an early aughts Elseworld story. Oh, was it? Was this just early aughts? Was it not older? I'm pretty sure it was early aughts, 2000, I think is when it came out. Oh, really? I, I would have assumed it was a little older. I'm surprised. Uh, uh, Gotham, I Gaslight. Now, it came out in 89. So. Yeah, that was one of the first. Yeah. yeah, you're right, 2000. I'll be down. Yeah, but most of the story changes they made for the film, to me, are for the better. Um, so, Bob, this is the 51st film in the DC Universe animated Dear original God. movies. <laughs> 51 animated films since 2007. And we talked about only like five or six of them. <laughs> yeah. If you had to, but there's still so many stories out there. If you had to adapt one DC arc into an animated film, what would it be? I forgot to think about this because I feel like I should give you a good answer, but my answer is kind of a cop out of, I just want them to do more things like Soul of the Dragon, which is to say both 1970s period pieces because there's rock, but I just want them to take like a character like Batman or Superman and then do a, do another movie that they wouldn't make otherwise and market it as Batman or Superman. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Like Superman in the 70s as a pimp. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I want, man. <laughs> that's what I heard. Okay, cool, Bob. Gotcha. You got <laughs> you, 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 you cracked it. You, what, what do you want, Matt? What do you want? For me, Bob, I want Nightfall. Come on. Nightfall needs to be an animated film. Why has it already been a film? They, because they would have to do it in like three parts and it'd be kind of annoying. Oh, and then I'm telling you at No Man's Land, I'd buy, I'd buy five parts for No Man's Land. <laughs> oh God, no, I, five parts is too many. 
Python. Make it's it, too many. Yeah. Or what if they made like an animated? Se- <laughs> what if they did like a season of a show like No Man's Land? <laughs> That'd be badass. Maybe maybe if the Cape Crusader show does well, that's what season four will be for you. Know? Batman No Man's Land only on HBO Max. I like it. <laughs> All right, Matt. So it's it's traditional at the end of these that I uh, I force you to rank. Um, I force you to rank things. Yeah. So we wanted to rank the Batman animated movies. I, to make it easier on you, I just pasted in your list from the last time we did the, did this. Yep. But but you've gotta you gotta fit Doom that came to Gotham somewhere on this list that we pasted in. I, I did. Mask of the Phantasm, number one correct. Batman animated film. Okay. Yes, correct. Although I'm kind of concerned, I'm a little curious. When we're animated, we're we're ranking these. We're just looking at animated films because Phantasm came out in the '90s, and so did Sub Zero. Yeah. Okay, but these aren't part of that animated original movie. Oh, no, not part of the no, same universe. Not. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. No, no. Yeah, because they're part of the animated not all, universe. Duh. Not all the not all the original animated movies are in the same universe either. Yeah, that's right. Not, duh. No, these are just know. these are just animated movies. Animated films. None. All right. Anyway, so the first film on my uh, on my on my ranking here, Bob, is Ma- Batman: Mask of the Phantasm. Then I've got Sub Zero. Correct. Soul of the Dragon. So I, I, I love Soul of the Dragon, but I, it's 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 wild to me that you put it higher than I. It do. is. That's fun. So good. Under the Red Hood is next. So you made me watch this because I thought I'd hate it, and I did actually really like it. Yep. But I've also I wouldn't put it as highly as you do. Next, I put Hush, which you refuse to watch, yep. but I think it's really good. Uh, Son of Batman. Batman versus Robin and Bad Blood are all kind of so in the just same. To be clear for the listeners; those three are the Grant Morrison adaptations, right? Yes, those and three all fit it, in the same little thing. Is that the is that the order they came in, or is it, yes, that's the order they okay. came in. And then is the Hush one sort of like a sequel to those? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's okay. further down. Yeah. All right, Dark Knight. Actually, it's a prequel because it happens before. Uh, 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 Dark Knight Returns, parts one and two. Then year one. Didn't watch. Oh, God, I hated that year one, man. I hated it. it <laughs> then so Return bad. of the Joker. Brian Cranston was so low energy in year one. And why is Return of the Joker so low on your list? I, I just I just don't have a, a, a love I just don't have a love for that film, Bob. It's just Didn't not my you favorite. like it back when it came out? I thought you did. I had it on DVD. Like, I bought, like, a bootleg copy of it, yeah. Like, back in 2000. I just thought you. Two. I just thought you liked it a lot more, like in the early two thousands. Probably did, but I don't know. It's kind of lost its appeal after a while. Okay. Why do you like it so much? I just think it's kind of cool. Like it's a, it's neat idea. It goes really dark. I like that it kind of it does both the Batman Beyond animation style and the original Batman the animated series style. That that's kind of cool to see both of those on screen. All right, Bob. After Return of the Joker, I've got Long Halloween. Then I've got then I have this film Doom that came to Gotham. Do you think I should watch the two-part long Halloween? No. <laughs> Thanks. How how different is it from the comics? It's the same. Oh, it is. That's okay. one of the reasons I put it lower, just because it's so like, it's like page for page. Then we've got Gotham by Gaslight after Doom that came to Gotham. Then I've got Gotham Night, which was the anthology just, series. Yeah, people remember it. It was like a tie-in to Batman Begins, and it's like yeah, an anthology series. Yeah. Then Batman versus Dracula. Yep. The Killing Joke. Is that as bad as everybody says? It's awful, Bob. It's way bad. <laughs> and then I put Batwoman, which I didn't. I just hated as a kid. Maybe it's a good movie. I need to go back and watch it as an adult. But I remember it's, hating 
that film. It's perfectly serviceable. I wouldn't go so far as to say it's like amazing or like even super like you super need to revisit it. But it's it's serviceable, and I, I didn't watch it till much later, and I enjoyed it. And then the final one on my list, the worst animated Batman film, is Batman vs. Harley Quinn. Yeah, you're right about that one, man. That one's a dog. dog. Yeah. <laughs> so insulting that I think that's the last uh, the last Kevin Conroy Batman. So my order, pretty similar to you, uh, Phantasm, Sub-Zero, Return of the Joker, Soul of the Dragon, but I would put Mystery of the Batwoman way up. Under the Red Hood, still good. Then Gotham by Gaslight, Doom that came to Gotham, Batman versus Dracula, Gotham Knight, Year One, which I hated, and then Batman versus Harley Quinn. Bob hated Year One. Just hated it with a passion. Like it, Brian Cranston gives such a low energy Commissioner Gordon performance, it's embarrassing. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been our coverage of Batman Doom that came to Gotham. Thanks for checking in with us at Uncanny Tracks. Check us out for our coverage of Legion of Superheroes versus Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Check out our coverage of X-Men 92 versus Young Justice on Patreon. We will see you next time. Thanks for listening.